Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney, and this is Caffeinated Crimes. Hey, what's up? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I legit was like, did my, did she, did she freeze? <laughs> Where'd she go? I just, I don't know. I froze. I don't, I don't remember how we do these episodes. Who am I? Where are we? What is happening? It's November. It's almost Thanksgiving. It'll be December when you hear this. Um, I hope y'all are enjoying the Christmas season. I hope you have all your decorations. Courtney looks confused. Well, I am wondering because this one might actually still be November. Does this one come out on the 30th? Because it's the I week after know. Thanksgiving. This Maybe. This one comes out, right? Yeah, it's still November. It's Look still at that. November. Still I was like looking November. at my calendar like, is that right? <laughs> I don't know. I To me, like... Thanksgiving's like the end of November. Like there's nothing after like mm-hmm. November does not exist after Thanksgiving. It's like Thanksgiving and then December Christmas starts the next day. So I don't know. Yeah, that's how it should you be. <laughs> Honestly, Thanksgiving well. should be November 1st. So then I can stop hearing about people saying it's not Christmas time, which it is now for everyone, which I do have a story to tell. Jacqueline knows the story, but um, I was sad the other day. And I was like, Kevin, can we please just put Christmas lights up? Can I interrupt your story real quick? I want to add (laughs) that this happened right after we recorded the last episode where Courtney was talking about people giving shit about people decorating for Christmas. This was like the same day. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So (laughs) I was sad. And I was like, Kevin, can we please just put some Christmas lights outside? Like, it'll just make me happy. And he was like, okay, let's do it. So we're putting up the lights and... I didn't realize it was one of my neighbors because he didn't really fucking say anything to me. Mm. Um, But he just, like, walked up because we were having to, like, hammer, like, a nail in to hold the lights up. And his dogs, I guess, were, like, confused. And they walked up. And he was, like, talking. And he was, like, oh, like, whatever. And I was, like, oh, yeah, like, nice dogs. Like, whatever. And then he turns to his dogs to make the passive-aggressive comment even (laughs) extra. He's not saying this to a person. He's saying it to a fucking dog. And he goes, oh, they're putting up Thanksgiving lights. And I just stared because I was like, I'm so sad right now that anything I say is just going to be so bitchy. I just stared at him like, no, bitch. I'm about to put my Grinch inflatable up and there is no doubt what these lights are for. So I was very pissed because I was like, just shut your mouth. Just it sounds mouth. like he needs the Grinch inflatable in his yard. but Right? I was like, dude. It's I mean, just... Christmas lights, come on. If you personally want to wait until after Thanksgiving to put up your Christmas decorations, then you do that. But why do you care if someone else wants to put them up early? I don't, I don't get it. And that's always been my thing. That's always been my thing. Because I'm like, I don't care. Like, if you want to wait, that's fine. Just don't tell Mm -hmm. me what to do. I won't force it on you. But like, don't tell me what to do. And that like little like meme that goes around that's like, oh, people that are starting Christmas, I don't want to see one Thanksgiving plate on your Facebook, which one, I don't because I'm eating the food, not taking pictures of it. And two, (laughs) if I want to eat my Thanksgiving dinner by Christmas tree lights, I'll fucking do it. I will combine these holidays and enjoy the hell out of both of them. So you just mind your own business. So that was my little update because I (laughs) was seriously just like, I'm, I was already in like such a bad mood. Like I was just Mm -hmm. not, things had not been going right that day. And I was just sad. And I was like, I... No. no, if I say something, Mm-mm. it's just going to be so mean, and I mm-hmm. don't want to put that out in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Andrew went shopping yesterday for all of our Thanksgiving food, which, as he told me right before we recorded this, he forgot to get, like, food for us for the week before Thanksgiving. So we're probably going to have to go back to the store today so we can have dinner, like, the nights before Thanksgiving. I guess, you know, normal people just don't eat breakfast on Thanksgiving. Apparently, we're just going to starve all week. See, Andrew does this very chaotic thing where he just doesn't make a list. He just goes to the store. And I literally write out every single meal I'm going to eat. I write out exactly what I need for each meal and then put it. And I try to put it like in order of the rows in the grocery store. And I Mm -hmm. still forget shit. (laughs) So, I mean... Andrew's a very chaotic person in general, um, but that that is how I would grocery shop. When I did the grocery shopping, I would make my list. Okay, what are my meals? What are my ingredients? Okay, mm-hmm. start in the produce. We work this way, blah, blah, blah. And Andrew's just like all willy-nilly, you know. But Andrew also likes grocery shopping, and I will never go grocery shopping with Andrew because he's not like, oh, I'm trying to – like, I – Try to get in and out as fast mm-hmm. as humanly possible. I do not want to be in this grocery store. I don't want to Same. be picky. Like, give me my shit and let's go. And Andrew's like, oh, let me spend, you know, five minutes picking out the perfect melon. And now I'm in the spice section and I've never tried this spice before. What can I make with this spice? Let me Google it and let me pull up some new recipes. And let- And then three hours later, Andrew finally gets the groceries and forgets the two things I wanted. But, you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> can I talk about a grocery store pet peeve that's going to make me sound like the biggest bitch in the world, too? Yes. I can't wait to hear it. So my biggest pet peeve and like, I'll put a disclaimer with it too. So my biggest pet peeve is when people come to the grocery store with their kids, but both mom and dad are there. One of you could have stayed home. You don't both need (laughs) to be here because no, if you're like, if it's just you and your kid, I'm like, you're probably a single parent. Like you have no other option or this is the only way. And those kids are never the one acting up. Never. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are just nice. They're just walking next to them. It is always when you bring your whole fucking family <laughs> that literally last night there were children in those little like drivey things just mm-hmm. like driving down the aisles. Oh and my I'm God. like, or they're just like running or like standing places. Like you don't have to bring your entire family. And that's why, like, when mom and dad are there and the kids, I'm like, one of y'all could have stayed somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You don't or one of you be pay attention to your children and one of you shop if that's how you have to do this. <laughs> like, and it's just, it is infuriating to me because it's always those kids that are just like screaming or running or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're always in my way because you have 40 <laughs> people with you. It just, that is something that irritates me. Because I, I told Kevin, mm-hmm. I was like, if we have kids, like one of us is staying home. <laughs> like, we're not bringing... I mean, unless there is no other option and like whatever, mm-hmm. but like, and if it's well, if your kid's well behaved, like, I don't care. Like if your yeah. kid's just like with you sitting in the car, whatever, that's fine. But like, don't have your kid just <laughs> running around because it is, it infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you said, when they're like getting in everyone's way. And I mean, to me, the biggest thing is like, if you're not even like paying attention to your kid, like yeah. if you're trying and like you're making it and you're like, no, come back over here and do, you know, whatever. But if you're just like staring at this, you know, box ingredients for five minutes while your kid's over here like pulling all the shit off the shelf or you know all the coupons out of the thing when that used to be a thing yeah it's still a thing but you know (laughs) oh well you know i haven't been to the grocery store in a long time clearly but i mean i also feel this way about adults because this happened to me one of the last times i went is for some reason there was like four adults and like Mm -hmm. one of them was like grabbing stuff and the other two were just standing in everyone's way and i'm like (laughs) why are you here (laughs) 
My biggest grocery store pet peeve is when like two people like run into each other and have a conversation with their giant carts <laughs> in the middle of the fucking aisle. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, can you get out of the way? Like, and, and it's one thing if you're like doing that and like you see people coming, so you like move over and you make room, and, but like they're just completely oblivious. And then Andrew will not like say anything to anyone ever like he will literally go around the entire store for, and I'm pretty sure Courtney would do the same mm-hmm. thing versus like being um excuse me and I'm over here with my full cart like excuse me I'm gonna slide right around here because you're right in the fucking way thank you goodbye <laughs> like yeah um yeah I don't know and I don't know every time I go to the store there's always just someone exactly where I need to be like last night it was literally like and it was like a woman in like one of the like what are those things called? The automatic, like the driving ones, the driving buggies where you sit. Just like the... the See, you can't think of the yeah. word either. What is it called? <laughs> the I don't the know. automatic cart thingy. I yeah. don't know. You yeah. know. The thing you sit in. And like, she wasn't doing anything like wrong. There was nothing like, she was just getting her groceries. But I was like, mm-hmm. she just stopped right where I'd have to like reach over her head. Like, and mm-hmm. she wasn't even necessarily like looking like where I needed to be, but her cart was just like in the way. And I was like... I'll just come back. <laughs> I'm just going to come back. Because I, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> That's why I hate grocery shopping in general. But Same. I did pick up for so long. But once we moved, the Walmart is just their pickup is not good. So, yeah. Oh, boy. We've been talking Man. about stuff for a long time. And we, we have did. updates. So <laughs> let's get into those updates. Um, so... Julius Jones was granted clemency this week, just hours before his scheduled execution. Um, his sentence was changed to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, Jones was convicted of the 1999 shooting of Paul Howell during a carjacking, and Jones has maintained his innocence this whole time and claimed that he was set up by a friend that testified against him. Um, so the um, governor did issue clemency like again hours before his scheduled execution um however Mm -hmm. in the um like details or whatever of this it is that he basically can't appeal his sentence ever again like they're like okay like we're not going to execute you but also like this is what you have and we can't you're you're never able to like appeal it ever again so um so Mm -hmm. this yeah this guy's not a hero for issuing this clemency but um yeah, just hours before execution. Wow. And I do want to, like, bring up something, too, of um, Kim Kardashian. Uh, she did play a big part in this. Like, she was tweeting how she was on the phone mm-hmm. for, like, hour, like, the whole few days leading up trying to get this, like, clemency, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. So she really has um, – I've always thought she was smart, and a lot of these people, like Paris Hilton, they're just putting on a show to, like, make money, you know? Makes like, sense. You think I'm dumb? I'm going to pretend to be dumb. <laughs> um, if it makes me money, right? I'll do I'll it. I'll be dumb <laughs> all day long if you give me that kind of money. <laughs> so I really do feel like she's doing a lot of good now. Like, she's trying to get a lot of people out of prison or get them off of death row. And she's really used her platform and her influence in a good way recently. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of do want to give a shout-out to her for that. Yeah. We do also have a little bit of an update in the Piedmont Park murder from Atlanta. So we talked about that a few episodes ago. I don't know when the last time we mentioned it. Um, But that was Catherine Janice and her dog Bowie were found in the Piedmont Park murdered around like 1 Mm a.m. 
Um, so the autopsy did come back, and she was stabbed more than 50 times. Mm-hmm. And they had also carved the word fat onto her. Mm. So, hmm. fuck people, basically. Um, but this, to me, I'm like, how do you do this in a public place and nobody sees anything? 50 times? Mm-hmm. Like, that is a lot of of stabbing like and like that's not going to be quiet like no and i mean say it takes you you couldn't even stab someone one time in like a second it'd have to be a few seconds like that is minutes of stabbing someone like that takes time and the you know surveillance video they posted like around like there were people around this park Mm -hmm. so i'm very curious how no one heard anything Something just seems weird. I wonder if someone does know something and they're not coming forward or, like, what's happening here. So hopefully there will be a push and somebody will come forward and this murder can be solved because it is just so tragic. Yeah, it really is so sad. And speaking of sad situations, um, yesterday at the time that we are recording this, which was November 19th, Kyle Rittenhouse's jury did acquit him of all charges. Um, If you remember, Kyle Rittenhouse was a minor who went over state lines with a weapon with the intent of basically counter-protesting Black Lives Matter protests and did fatally shoot two people. Um, But apparently that is considered self-defense. If you cross state lines with a weapon with the intention of inserting yourself into a situation, then apparently that's self-defense if you murder those two people. Because somebody came at you with a skateboard. Mm Mm-hmm. A skateboard. Um, Also, I kind of want to mention, too, a lot of people are like, well, this guy's a hero. These people had criminal pasts. And it's like, that's not how the justice system works. Mm -mm. If they had a criminal past, they should be on trial like Kyle Rittenhouse was. And Mm -hmm. also, I can bet a million dollars he did not know who these people were when he shot them. And this is just another attempt at people in the media to demonize victims because Mm -hmm. they want to push their agenda. Like, it's ridiculous. I just, I have no words, and I'm so, so disgusted and saddened by the number of people I know personally on my social Mm -hmm. media that are, like, celebrating this as, like, a Mm -hmm. win. This is not a fucking win. This is disgusting. This is not a case of someone broke into my home and I defended myself and shot him. That is acceptable. That is justified. That is your right as an American to do so with your legally owned weapon going across state lines with your weapon for the intent of getting in the middle of something to then be able to shoot someone when they come at you. That's not the same thing at all. And all of you know, if he was black, this would not be the case. And don't even, don't, don't leave a comment. Don't write into us. We don't, your opinion's wrong. Just no, no, this is not, no, I'm done. Like, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, like, Black people in the street are just murdered without even a thought by mm-hmm. the police. Um, and Kyle Rittenhouse shot two people and got to go home and sleep in his bed. And then brag when, about it later. Yeah, brag about it and then cry in court. And all I wanted to do was punch his stupid little face. Um, he's so smug and arrogant and his tears were fake. Mm-hmm. It was fake. He's sad because he doesn't want his life to be over. He doesn't give a shit about what he did. He ran. He 
bragged about it in bars. He didn't tell the court when he moved and he was just gone and no one gave a shit when, I mean, Breonna Taylor was in her home on a fake ass warrant and got shot Mm -hmm. when this man just runs and nobody cares. So it's ridiculous and we can talk about it all we want. Um, but why don't we put our money where our mouth is? And Mm -hmm. if you want to, um, I mean, this is how the system is built. It's not broken. It's how it's built. Um, And if you want, you can donate to... There are a lot of good organizations out there that are fighting for, you know, equality in the criminal justice system. Um, Two that we are going to give a shout out to that you could donate to is the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Those are Mm -hmm. two great places that are doing great things. Um, you know, especially me and Jacqueline as two white people, like we can sit here and say everything we want. Um, but the truth of the matter is like, we do have privilege and we need to use that privilege, Mm -hmm. um, not just to speak up, but to try and actually make change, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not enough to just share an Instagram story or say, I'm, I hate it, you know, whatever. Like we need to actively be making change. So Mm -hmm. we do want to give you guys those, um, we will put it in the show notes, links yep. to those places. I um, just need to make a note to myself to remember that. Um, <laughs> but definitely do that if you feel so inclined. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't go up from here, guys. No. I'm sorry. And it did take us 20 minutes to get into this. So <laughs> we were a little long-winded there. Um, but some... Sources we use today are nativehope.org, an article from The Atlantic, a few articles from NBC News, AP News, and intercontinentalcry.org. So we're all very familiar with missing white woman syndrome, where white, attractive, middle-class women get more resources and media attention when they go missing as compared to lower-income individuals and people of color. I mean, we saw this very recently We see it frequently. Mm -hmm. The abuse and dehumanization of Native women dates back to colonizers invading the land that is now the United States, and Native bodies were seen as dirty and pure and not worth protecting. They were brutally beaten and raped by the colonizers, and prior to this, Native women were held, held esteemed positions in their tribes, and they served as spiritual, political, and military leaders. And both men and women's work were valued in their tribes, and violence against women and children was rare because they did value them so much. Mm-hmm. And then the white man had to ruin that, as always. Yep. So, the National Crime Information Center reported that in 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women. The U.S. Department of Justice's federal missing person database, NamUs, only recorded 116 during that time. So, clearly, that's a big discrepancy. That is insane. Yeah. And Native women are disappearing at shocking rates, and there's little to no media coverage about this. Murder is the third leading cause of death for Native women, and the murder rate for women living on reservations is 10 times higher than the national average. So, Native women are also two to three times more likely to experience violence, stalking, or sexual assault compared to women of other races. Now, keep in mind, Native people only make up 2% of the United States population. So, this is extremely high. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, four out of five women, all, Native women also reported being the victim of violence, and 96% of them described their attacker as non-Native. 78% of America's Native population lives off of the reservation, and 60% of those live in urban areas, both stemming from the Indian Relocation Act. So this often leads to a lack of ties to Native cultures, communities, and tribal law enforcement. 27% of Native Americans also live below the poverty line. Many urban Indians fall into what is called the pipeline of vulnerability, which encompasses people of color, people coming out of their foster system, and people of poverty. So these groups of individuals are less likely to receive law enforcement or media attention when they're the victims of a violent crime, or they're more likely to have the media spin a story about how they're at fault. As kind of we talked about earlier, like just demonizing victims. Mm-hmm. So jurisdictional issues are often to blame for limited law enforcement involvement. So reservations are sovereign nations, which means they are able to govern themselves apart from the United States and its government, police departments, etc. However, some crimes are serious enough to warrant the FBI and U.S. Department of Justice to get involved, such as murder, kidnapping, and rape. So jurisdiction can also get tricky depending on if the native person was the victim or perpetrator and whether the crime happened on or off a reservation. And this is made even more difficult with missing women because it's hard to know whether or not a crime happened and what the crime was. So when you're missing, it's like, did it happen on the reservation? Did it happen off the reservation? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Whose jurisdiction is this? Like, were you abducted? Does this warrant the FBI? Or did you just run away and this is a missing person, which is just tribal law enforcement? Like, it's really hard to pinpoint who has jurisdiction there. Yeah, and many times family members don't know who they need to report their missing loved one to. Like, they're like, I don't even know who to go to. Yeah. And in addition to those jurisdictional issues, deep-seated racism against Native Americans also plays a role. So Native Americans have been discriminated, discriminated against since literally the inception of the United States. I mean, literally the beginning. <laughs> Um, And the way law enforcement and the media respond to missing and murdered Native women is no exception. So this is going to be volume one of what we plan to be a recurring series. And we want to highlight some stories of missing and murdered Native women that have received little attention. So obviously we would love to like devote entire episodes to these women, but there's such limited amount of available information. It makes it difficult Um, So we want to highlight the information that we do have on these women. Mm -hmm. And um, very fittingly, in the United States, we just celebrated Thanksgiving last week. Um, So just a reminder to remember to celebrate Thanksgiving appropriately. Um, Yeah, please... If you work at an elementary school, please mm. stop having little white kids dress up as Indians. Can we? That's not okay. We're still doing not that. Not okay. We're still doing that. Okay. All right. Yeah. I and just your friendly um, quote woke reminder as we like to get uh, you know um, the pilgrims and Indians did not come together and have a feast and everything was fine. No, the pilgrims came and raped and beat and murdered and destroyed the land that Native Americans had been living on for a long time. So Mm -hmm. again, if you want to celebrate things that you are thankful for, absolutely. We all have 
our own family traditions and things that we like to celebrate and remind that we are thankful for in our lives, but we are not celebrating the inception of the United States because it didn't happen the way that these history books tell you that it happened. So Christopher Columbus was not a Mm -mm. good person, guys. He just wasn't. He didn't discover America. People had inhabited America for Mm -hmm. centuries prior. Um, He just came in and brought smallpox blankets and raped people and murdered people and wrote about it in his diary. So, So, all that being said, um, the first one that we're going to talk about, um, we did get information from charlieproject.org. So Ruthie Fawn Kindness was 20 years old when she disappeared from Parkland, Washington, just outside of Tacoma. On February 7th, 2011, she had been released from police custody after being arrested for an outstanding warrant. Um, She called her mom from a payphone at Paradise Bowling Alley on Pacific Avenue and has never been seen or heard from since. Um, Ruthie was a graduate of Fife High School and was attending California State University, Northridge. She was unhoused and had no cell phone at the time of her disappearance. She may go by Anna Hager or Hager, and her family believes that she would have been around Federal Way, Puyallup, or Milton, Washington. And unfortunately, that's the extent of the information that is available about Ruthie. Um, Obviously, as with any of these, if you happen to have any kind of information, you know, please contact the local law enforcement um, and let them know that. The next case, we got information from the Gillette News Record um, as well as a medium.com article. So 30-year-old Jocelyn Watt and her boyfriend Rudy Perez were murdered in their home on the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming on January 5th, 2019. They were both shot and their murder remains unsolved today. Um, Jocelyn's younger sister, Jade Wagon, whose northern Arapaho name was Cedar Tree Stands Alone, joined the movement for justice for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. She marched the Capitol in Wyoming and brought awareness to this widespread issue. Then on January 2nd, 2020, almost one year to the day of her sister's murder, their mother reported 23-year-old Jade missing as well. Her body was found on the reservation on January 21st. Um, The FBI ruled her death as accidental due to hypothermia and drug overdose, but her mom believes that she was murdered. Um, Her disappearance received little attention until her remains were found, and her mom believes that if there had been a thorough search for her by law enforcement, she may have been found before it was too late. And again, this goes back to, in the beginning, we talked about missing white woman syndrome, where a white woman disappears, and there's tons of media coverage. There are volunteer searches, there are helicopters, there are all of this, Mm -hmm. and this Native woman disappears, and there's basically nothing until her remains are found. Yeah. In February of 2021, police issued a warrant for the arrest of a suspect in Jade's death. So it does now appear that they've changed their minds and they believe this was a murder as well. Um, At the time of this recording, there's nothing more about that person's arrest. If they've gotten that person, um, no names have been released or anything. So the Wind River Reservation spans 2.2 million acres and there are only six tribal officers to patrol that area. So again, 2.2 million acres and only six tribal officers. Um, So when someone goes missing, they do have to depend on the FBI for support. 
And when their women go missing, there's no national media coverage, no widespread FBI searches, again, like for other women. Um, We did mention nationwide statistics at the top of the episode, but in Wyoming specifically, Native individuals make up 3% of the population, but account for 14% of missing individuals and 21% of homicide victims. Like, this is a huge, huge problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Jocelyn and Jade's mother, Nicole Wagon, wants to bring awareness to the problem of missing and murdered Native women and is seeking justice for her daughters. Nicole says that Jocelyn was very protective of her family and that she would make sure that justice was served if this had happened to someone that she knew. Um, So she's kind of channeling that energy in her search for justice and the truth. Um, Nicole said that Jade had a great sense of humor, a cute, silly laugh, and loved to write and draw, and that she was very passionate about different kinds of music. Um, Both of her girls loved the outdoors. They were very adventurous. Um, Nicole also works with other families of missing and murdered Native women and is constantly checking on her other three daughters to make sure that they're safe. So, I mean, obviously can't even imagine what it feels like to have one, much less two of your children murdered. And Mm -hmm. so now she's just constantly checking on her others and making sure that, you know, they try to keep themselves as safe as possible. Yeah. And like just being completely ignored and like... Yeah. Completely heartbreaking. So for the next one, we use the LA Times and an Oxygen.com article. Aubrey Dameron was 25 years old when she disappeared from her home outside Grove, Oklahoma on March 9th, 2019. She was living with her mother, brother, and stepfather, and her mom got up to use the bathroom around 3.30 a.m. and saw Aubrey leaving the house in all black. She said she was going to meet someone, but she never returned. In addition to being a member of the Cherokee Nation, Aubrey was a transgender woman. Transgender individuals are more than four times likely to be victims of violence than cisgender people. And 41% of the transgender population have attempted suicide, but 56% of native transgender people have attempted suicide. So again, the native population is far less, but they have higher numbers again. So Aubrey was reported missing by her brother's girlfriend on March 11th. Aubrey had epilepsy and did not take her medication, purse, or cell phone with her. And she didn't live within walking distance to anywhere. And so Aubrey's aunt has worked tirelessly to share information about Aubrey, work with the law enforcement and community groups, as well as post flyers around town in an effort to get more information about what happened to her. Um, Her family says she wouldn't have just run away and not contacted them, and her social media accounts have been completely silent since her disappearance. So on March 23rd, a search team found a bloody sock about a half mile east of Aubrey's home, and it was turned into Oklahoma State Bureau investigation, but they never received conclusive results. And a group of cadaver dogs from Louisiana also assisted with the search. Um, and the dogs picked up a cadaver scent on a tarp in the shed behind Aubrey's home. And then again at a nearby pond. Um, they did drain the pond, but they never found anything there or in the shed. Aubrey was very close to her uncle, Christian, who was only six months older than her. And he said Aubrey referred to herself as a two-spirit, which is a Native American term for people who possess both male and female spirits. And Christian was quoted saying two spirits were held in high regard before colonization. They could walk between the two worlds, the world of a woman and the world of a man, and they were sacred. Um, In January of 2021, Oklahoma Representative Daniel Pei filed a bill to create Aubrey's Law, 
which would send alerts for missing people in the Cherokee Nation. So Aubrey's family was told that the multiple Republican representatives said they would not support this bill because Aubrey was transgender. That's it. That is the only reason. Yep. So the bill was renamed Casey Alert, named after Casey Russell, who disappeared from Seminole, Oklahoma on June 27, 2016. And Aubrey's family continues to search for her and hope they may one day find out where she is. And like, what a slap in the face that Mm -hmm. your family member goes missing and someone wants to create this law named after her and then they find out that she's transgender and they're like, oh, never mind. We're going to name it after someone else. Like... Yeah, that's like, we have this amazing idea, but you're naming it this? Can't agree to that. And it's like, that is absolutely ridiculous. And that's not your job. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, I hate people. Um, For this next one, we got information from a KULR article and a Daily Coast article. 16-year-old Selena Not Afraid disappeared on New Year's Day in 2020. She was a member of two Indian nations, the Crow and Nakota. She was last seen at the rest stop on Interstate 90 between Billings and Hardin, Montana. Selena attended a New Year's Eve party at 20-year-old Deandra Pittman's house the night before, and when Deandra woke up on New Year's Day, Selena was gone. Um, Selena had gotten a ride with five friends from Billings to Hardin, and on the way, their car broke down, so they stopped at a rest stop to get it going again. So some of the friends started walking around while the driver was working on the car, and he told them that if they weren't back when he was ready to leave, that he was leaving anyway. So when the car started again, Selena and one other girl weren't there, so the other four people left, and the driver did call his mom to go back and pick up Selena and her friend at the rest stop. So when his mom arrived to pick them up, um, the friend was there, but she said that Selena had walked into a nearby field. Um, So she wasn't dressed for the freezing weather, and her family said that it wasn't like her to just wander off. So friends, family members, and members of various tribes camped out at the rest stop for 13 days in an attempt to find any clues into Selena's disappearance. And it was over a week before the FBI issued a bolo for Selena. So this whole time, and again, her information is not being shared during the most critical time in a missing person search. Mm -hmm. Um, No Amber Alert was issued, um, but as you may remember, if you guys are Patreon subscribers and you listen to our episode about Amber Alerts, they can only be issued when information is available about the abductor's, like, person or vehicle or, you know, something else other than just the person missing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did see a lot that people were upset that no Amber Alert was issued, but that is standard procedure, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, we talked about this in our Patreon episode. If you want to become a Patreon, you can go listen to it. Um, but, you know, there are very strict guidelines for issuing an Amber Alert. Mm-hmm. And it's because they don't want to overuse this system. Because it's like, mm-hmm. if you just get an Amber Alert for every missing person, you're just, you're not going to pay attention as much. You're you're really yeah. not. Um, so it's like, there has to be a lot of information where, like, you can look for a car on the road. You can look for an individual mm-hmm. It has to be very specific for the Amber Alert. Yeah, like you have to know that someone was abducted and who abducted them Mm -hmm. or what vehicle they were driving or something. So on January 20th, Selena's body was found a mile from the rest stop. Um, Her death was finally ruled as accidental due to hypothermia in December of 2020. 
Um, no wounds, broken bones, or obvious signs of physical trauma were found on her body. On December 23rd, Deandra Pittman was charged with endangering the welfare of children, which is a misdemeanor, for providing alcohol to Selena, who was underage. So her family does not believe that her death was accidental. Um, volunteers said they searched the area where her body was found days before police searched. Um, so they believe that her body had been dumped there in the time between when they searched and when the police searched. Um, but police say that her body couldn't have been dumped because there were no signs of tire tracks or anything else that could indicate someone transported a body to that location. Unfortunately, the issue of violence against Native individuals isn't new to Selena's family. In 2017, Selena's brother, 24-year-old Preston Bell, was driving a vehicle that had been reported stolen, and police cornered him and he attempted to flee, which resulted in a high-speed chase, and five officers fired 74 rounds into the vehicle, and Preston was hit 17 times. Um, a jury determined that the use of force was justified. Let's again remember Kyle Rittenhouse versus Preston Bell. Yep. Which, again, the, the situations, I mean, he was engaged in a high-speed chase. A little but different. But also, yeah. <laughs> 74 rounds. Like, you don't need 74 rounds to stop a vehicle that's in the middle of a high-speed chase. Yeah. Just because somebody commits a crime or reacts poorly to a situation doesn't mean they necessarily deserve to die mm -hmm. or that 74 rounds are required. I think that's kind of a yeah. big issue. Mm-hmm. And then in August of 2018, Selena's 22-year-old sister, Tristan Gray, was killed in a hit-and-run accident. Apparently, police identified the driver, but he was not charged, and his name was not released publicly. Surveillance footage actually shows the killer getting out of his car, looking at Tristan, then getting back in his car and driving away. He then went to his mom's house and had her call 911. So obviously this led to outrage in the Native American community because her death wasn't being treated seriously by police. I mean, you know who killed this woman mm -hmm. and nothing was done about it. You didn't press charges, nothing. Like, you know who did it. You have footage of them, like, knowing they did it and driving away. And you're just like, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Um, Selena's aunt, Cheryl Horn, says she doesn't believe that Selena would just wander away, especially after the deaths of her older siblings and the number of times that her family stressed to her the importance of safety. So, like, her family has already been through this twice. It would be extremely unlikely for her to just wander away into a field, not being mm -hmm. dressed for the weather, with no one around. I mean, that just, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would she do yeah. that? For this one, we did use an NBC News article and the ADA News article. 17-year-old Faith Lindsay was last seen at her apartment in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma on October 28, 2019. That night, her boyfriend Tanner Washington texted Faith's sister, Justice, and said he hadn't heard from her and he couldn't find her. So Justice then started receiving messages from Faith's phone, but things were misspelled, which really wasn't like Faith. And she would also call repeatedly and then hang up when Justice answered. So Justice was sure this wasn't really her sister. She's like, I think someone else has her phone and is doing some weird stuff here. Mm -hmm. Faith was officially reported missing by her family on November 4th when they hadn't been able to get a hold of her. So police quickly became suspicious of Washington because he had been arrested for assaulting Faith before 
and her family said they didn't approve of their relationship, but that Faith believed she was in love and she was determined to be with him. So as in many domestic violence relationships, they were afraid if they pushed her too hard, he would just end up isolating her from everyone and they wouldn't have any relationship with her, which is probably, I mean, it's far worse, you know, for the family. Like, at least we can kind of stay with her mm-hmm. um, if we don't push too hard. And based on evidence and interviews that had not been released, Washington was arrested for Faith's murder on December 19th, 2019. So in August of 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Oklahoma has no jurisdiction over crimes committed by or against Native Americans on tribal reservations. So because of this decision, Washington appealed to have his charges dropped because the alleged murder occurred on a reservation. So... Potomac County dropped the charges, but in May of 2021, federal charges were filed in Faith's murder. This complaint claims that Washington shot Faith Lindsay around October 27, 2019, and court documents said that Faith's blood was found on Washington's clothes and in his truck. So Washington's trial has been postponed due to COVID. Um, There's no further information at the time of this recording. Mm -hmm. But the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation is offering a $5,000 reward for any information that leads to the location of Faith's body. Um, This next one, we got information from justice.gov. So 32-year-old Olivia Lone Bear disappeared from the Sportsman's Bar on the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation in Newtown, North Dakota on October 24th, 2017. The mother of five was out with friends and was last seen leaving in a teal Chevy Silverado 2500 HD LT. It appeared that she went home at some point after leaving the bar because she changed out of the clothes she was last seen wearing and left them at her house. Her cell phone, wallet, and money were also left there. Um, Her father, Harley Tex Lone Bear, reported her missing when two days went by and no one had seen or heard from her. Um, Because she was a Native American who disappeared on a reservation, she was reported missing to the three affiliated tribes police department. And then in early November, the FBI was brought into the investigation as a supporting role. The reservation and many areas in North Dakota were searched for Olivia or any clues that pointed to her whereabouts. During the week of July 23, 2018, a civilian searcher using a boat with sonar equipment found a truck submerged in Lake Sakakawea on the reservation. Um, He shared this information with three affiliated tribes law enforcement, and on July 31st, a law enforcement diver found Olivia's truck submerged in 21 feet of water and 400 feet from the shore. Um, This location was about one and a half miles from Olivia's home. Um, Her body was found buckled into the passenger seat, and an autopsy ruled that her cause of death was undetermined. It also noted that they did not find definitive trauma, natural, or toxicological causes for her death. After her body was found, the FBI took over the investigation since this was now a possible homicide and not just a missing person. Um, The FBI is offering a reward of up to $10,000 for any information that leads to the identification of those responsible for Olivia's death. So this is our final one, and we used NBC News article and an Aberdeen News article. 43-year-old Monica L. Burser Wick wicker i couldn't find a video of Mm -hmm. how to pronounce it so i'm very sorry if i pronounced it wrong um she disappeared in april of 1993 and hasn't been seen since monica sometimes went by mona and was known for her love of music she was always 
singing, dancing, and playing the piano. And Monica grew up on the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Reservation in Belcourt, North Dakota. She got married and had two children, but she and her husband did end up getting divorced. But they still had a very good co-parenting relationship, though, and Monica remarried and did have another son. So the three of them lived in Aberdeen, South Dakota, while her older two children stayed with their father in Fort Yates on the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe Reservation, which was three hours away. So her two older children visited her often, and her daughter, Tanya, got pregnant during her senior year of high school in 1992. So while her mother was shocked and a little disappointed at first, she quickly became supportive and told her she wanted them to live with her so that she could help out. So Monica's granddaughter had not yet been born when her husband dropped her off at a bar called The Body Shop to have drink with friends on April 7th, 1993. Tanya said that her mother was very social and enjoyed going out, but her stepfather didn't and just preferred to stay home. So it kind of worked for them where it's mm-hmm. like, I'll drop you off. I'll be your designated driver and you go have fun. Yeah, you go have fun. I'm going to sit on the couch and we're all going to have a good time. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when it was time to leave, Tanya got a ride with a couple she knew and another man that she'd never met before. So they dropped off the man at his vehicle first, which was parked at another location, and Monica decided to get a ride with him. That was the last time she was seen alive. So two weeks went by and her family didn't hear from her, so they reported her missing on April 26th. Searches began around the area and the three individuals that Monica was in the car with that night were questioned, but nothing led to her whereabouts. Dave Lunsman, who was the chief deputy for the Brown County Sheriff's Office, said there were times when Monica didn't always return home and that there were a reason for the two-week gap between when she was last seen and when she was reported. So kind of like the reason it took so long to report her missing is it's like, okay, sometimes she'll kind of disappear, but never this long. Yeah, because, you know, obviously people are like, okay, there was two weeks between when you disappeared and when you were reported missing. And basically they're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you, like, Details you don't need to know, but there was a reason for that. It wasn't unusual, basically. Yeah. Finally, on June 16th, Monica's body was found in the James River outside Aberdeen by someone passing by in a canoe. Her body was identified through dental records, but it was pretty badly decomposed and a cause of death could not be determined. Um, Her case was treated as homicide, though, and detectives say they had... There have been several suspects in Monica's murder over the years, and some have been ruled out and others remain suspects, but there's not enough evidence for an arrest for anyone. Mm -hmm. Tanya and her family started a Facebook page called Justice for Monica in the hopes that someone would be able to provide some information about what happened to their mother. And in 2021, the family also collected a $10,000 reward for anyone that provides information that leads to the arrest and conviction of Monica's killer. So that is, is rough. It's sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hoping there is a push to tell more of these women's stories. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a few podcasts, uh, missing and murdered. Um, she usually focuses on missing and murdered, uh, women in Canada, Mm -hmm. like native women in Canada. Um, also up and vanished just released a season three and it is about a missing indigenous woman Mm -hmm. so that is nice that they're actually like kind of focusing on that story Mm -hmm. um you know using that platform for good so hopefully there will be a push to talk more about these women because as we said they are going missing or murdered at an unlar like an alarmingly high rate Mm -hmm. like ridiculously high rate and people just not caring much higher than any other race in this country like it is absurd that this isn't 
talked about more than it is. Like you said, there are starting to be more pushes for that. So hopefully um, that will help. And like we said, we do plan for this to be volume one of this series. Um, if you guys have specific native cases that you would like us to cover in this, please send them to us. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, a lot of them, there's such limited information that's available. So we do try to find everything that we can, um, but definitely let us know if you guys know specific ones that you want us to feature in this. Yeah. And if somehow someone out there who just listened to this knows something about one of these cases, like, Mm -hmm. please just come forward. Like, please just say something. Um, These, you know, women deserve justice. I mean, as much justice as you can get, Mm -hmm. Um, or at least, you know, for the women who are still missing, like, their families deserve to know what happened to them. Um, And even if they were murdered, like they deserve to find their bodies. Like it's just heartbreaking that, you know, multiple of these cases had families who have missing women or things that happened to them that gets no media attention, no law enforcement attention is just overlooked, not cared about. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't want to necessarily like fully blame the media because the media is just going to report like what they think they'll get clicks on. Um, So as consumers, we need to push, like we want to hear these stories, Mm -hmm. you know, because if they're telling these stories and nobody watches, they're just going to focus on like the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So of course, like I wish they would focus more on everything, but it is income based, Mm -hmm. whatever. So be sure and also, like, reach out to your local news stations and be like, I want to hear these stories that aren't mm-hmm. being talked about. Like, like see that as well. these stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this one, this this week was, it was rough. It was uh, very rough, especially being, having so many cases. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard enough when there's, like, one really rough case in a week, but when, like, there's just multiples and it's just, like, you think about everyone involved in the families and just so like this collective experience that's just I mean destroying these native communities and yeah it's really hard um so yeah Courtney what is your prick of the week now that we're all depressed (laughs) yeah so (laughs) my um perk of the week is Kevin and I just restarted watching like doing a rewatch of it's always sunny in philadelphia um so Mm -hmm. since we're depressed i'll tell you guys a little story of how kevin and i kind of credit (laughs) the show for our relationship because we met on a dating app and then i kind of ghosted him and just like stopped replying and then (laughs) one day he sent me and it's always sunny meme and we started talking again and now we're engaged (laughs) so um so yeah so we just started like re-watching that which i haven't watched like in a row in like years it's been a long time since i've like sat down and watched Mm -hmm. like all of them like in a row um and very fittingly just when we started um there has come out and it's always sunny rewatch podcast that has charlie day Mm -hmm. uh rob mcelhaney and glenn howerton um so they kind of get off topic it's not necessarily like whatever but they're so funny i'm (laughs) like i i don't care like i will just listen to you guys talk it's like a yeah, whole new so show. I'm like, you guys can just talk about bullshit, and they do a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> but it's fine with me because they're hilarious to me. So just hearing these like mm-hmm. stories of shit they get into is just so funny. Um, <laughs> so that's my perk of the week. It's a comedy, so maybe I can go watch an episode after this to cheer myself up a little bit. Right. Um, but yes, yeah. that is my perk of the week. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? 
Um, so my perk of the week is that we took our baby for her first apple picking trip this past weekend. Um, so Andrew's dad came to visit and we all went up to um, Carter Mountain and picked some apples and got some apple cider donuts and some hot apple cider and you know, just all the and living apple your white girl dreams for sure, hundred percent. It all was nice. It was nice and cold, so Millie and I got to wear our matching beanies. So you know, for sure about that life. Um, Andrew got some apples to make for his apple pie for Thanksgiving, which at the time we were recording has not yet happened. So hopefully it will turn out good. Um, but yeah, so is he was... only making an apple pie, or is there going to be a pumpkin pie too? No, oh, no, there will be a pumpkin pie okay. too. Okay, yeah. I'm like. No. Nah, Andrew, like I have pumpkin. <laughs> yes, we we will have a pumpkin pie okay, as well. Good. Yeah. So that was super fun, and you know, anytime you get to do like a first with a baby is always an exciting time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my perk of the week. Um, if you guys want to tell us your perks of the week, um, again, if you have native stories that you want us to tell, please send them to us. You can do so on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod on Twitter at Calf Crimes Pod, that's C-A-F-F Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. You can email us at caffeinatedcrimespod at gmail.com. Um, we are on YouTube and TikTok and all those things. Um, Patreon.com slash caffeinatedcrimes if you guys want extra episodes. Um, we do a bonus episode once a month. We have um, some tiers that have quarterly gifts and monthly hangouts and stickers and pins and, you know, all kinds of, of fun things. So definitely check and us out. And a Discord and... channel that yes. if you're a Patreon, you need to join our Discord channel. Please. Um, so if we can talk about everything. Um, I feel like I was going to say something else about Patreon. But you know what? I forgot. I guess so, you'll have to come to Patreon to find out what it is. You'll have to come, you'll have to, come to Patreon to find out. Oh, I remember. Um, our Patreons actually get to pick our bonus for next month. That gets yes. released on Patreon. So, like, you could be a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a fun time. It's a fun group. You want to join. Um, but if you maybe want, like, a pin and a sticker with, like, out spending the money and you also want a $10 gift card to a coffee shop of your choice, I mean... <laughs> Am I using my influential voice yet? <laughs> you can do so by going to Apple Podcasts, that little purple app on your iPhone. <laughs> you can click it and you can go to Caffeinated Crimes and you can give us a review, preferably five stars, please. <laughs> um, and if you write a little comment and say some nice things about us um, and either send it to us or put something that lets us know it's you, um, once we get to 50, we're very, very close. Um, we will choose one person who will get a pin, a sticker, and a $10 gift card to the coffee shop of their choice. Like I said, I don't know what we're going to do when we get to 50 and we don't say this every time. It's going to be know. a whole new world. We're going to have to do a new contest and just, you know. <laughs> I know. Okay, when we get to 200, <laughs> start speaking again. But, um, yeah, in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime. Mm-hmm.